So I wanted to, if you could share a little more about how you became informed. Sounds like you and your wife did, did some research. What kind of research? What, what was the process? We were actually talking about that the other day, because when you get to a certain point in what you know, you just, you just know the things. So we were trying to think of what was that process and why did we get to that point? And what we came to was when she started doing a lot of the research for fertility and what the causes could be, she would join, I don't know if they were Facebook groups or some forum where she's all of a sudden she sees this something about a vaccine, something about, Hey, look at this. And so that kind of started her diving down into it. Uh, and then it was after the twins were born. Then I started really, she always jokes. She's like, she knows it all, but she can't tell you about it. And then I just have like this steel trap that just, I, I just remember stuff. And so I started really diving into it. Um, and I think the more that I got into it, the more I just was just overwhelmed with all of it and realizing, wow, uh, it's not good. Do you remember any of the sources you went to? It's probably hard to remember. It's now years. Uh, ago. Well, no, actually there's one, and I don't know if this was later on or if it was recent, but there's somebody, I have to go find it. There's somebody who, uh, cr who basically took the package inserts and put all of them up on a website. So you can click on it. You can go in and you can actually study that. Uh, and I, for the life of me, I mean, I could probably find, I have it saved on my favorites, but I yeah. can't remember who it was, but you know, it's people like that. Um, when the high wire started, I started really watching that because it started a lot of what was talked about made a ton of sense to me as well. And then, uh, I like that they provide a lot of the research behind it as well. Um, but I think one of the things that helped me was actually in our first meeting with you after, uh, I do have to say that, um, we get into the hospital. We knew your name, but we couldn't remember it because, you know, you have twins and you're going, yeah. it's this guy, somebody told us this guy, we have to go to this guy. Yeah. And, and so we, we get in there and we can't remember the name until I think it was that day or whatever. So you don't even know that you have twins being born because you didn't know we existed. And you came in with a leather jacket and a Hawaiian shirt on. And my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, that's our guy right there. That was at St. Vincent's, I believe. It was, yeah. And I think, I even think you were writing your book at the time uh, and had come in because that was 2015. But then you came in and it was like this calming presence and realizing that we had an advocate and somebody who uh, we, it was, there was safety with. And, I, and that sounds weird because you should feel that way around medical people, but it's not the case. That should be a red flag right there. If you can't trust your doctor, it's time to find a new provider. Absolutely. I, I think also asking them the questions of how they come to the conclusions that they have are really important because it can say a lot uh, about where they heard that, learned that, thought that, said that. Because I think a lot of folks uh, in any industry, I don't care what the industry is, you learned it a long time ago, you heard it, and that just becomes what is standard practice but you're not continually learning. You're not continually up on the science. I heard somewhere that it takes like, you know, whatever the current scientific consensus is can take like 15 years to become the norm within medical yeah. practice. Yeah. It can take 10 years just to get into the textbooks. 
Right. So then you think about that. So, okay, well, where, where did you get that? Where have you heard that uh, has been helpful? Let's role play that. So I'm going to be the doctor who tells you, oh, don't worry about that glitch. Uh, you know, that's real common in kids. And um, yeah, it's, it's the best thing we can do for your child is we, we, it's time to do the vaccines. I'm so glad you're here. What question are you going to ask? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I completely understand that that's your uh, point of view. What I'd really love and what would be helpful for my wife and I is if you could provide a study that you've read recently that shows that there is no interaction neurologically with any of these or that this would be the right decision to make given the symptoms that she's showing right now. Wow, there's hundreds of studies. I mean, the literature is filled with it. I read these studies every day. Um, I, I can't just plop one out and bring it to you today. But I mean, it's clear, this is the standard of care. This is what all the best of the best pediatricians are doing. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, here. absolutely. I, I, I can do my best on PubMed as well. So if you could point me to one in particular, that would be fantastic. I would really appreciate that until, until I have that. And until I can read that and feel good about that, um, we're just not going to move forward with what that decision or what, what your recommendation is. Nice. So you showed um, how do I say it? You, you advocate for yourself and for your child and you did it with attitude, not a, not a cocky negative attitude, but with that assured confidence that you're un, unwaivable, right? And, and when you hit a doctor with that and you're not being unreasonable and you're not being a theatrical, you're just saying, you know, I, I'm a researcher and I, I want to be in partnership with you on this research. And, and you're right, you will stump, just like when you ask for the package insert, you'll probably stump most doctors because what we did, what most still do, but what I did when I was super busy 20 years ago and writing a lot of prescriptions for antibiotics for ear infections and just doing it all wrong, uh, I didn't have time to read articles. I uh, had a full day of seeing kids and then charting and then getting home to feed my own kids and then coming back and doing it again. And so I read abstracts and I thought I was being real scientific and informed, but the medical journals are captured, the big ones, and the abstracts will not tell you the actual important information that might even be in that study that's published. So um, very wise advice you're giving. And look, you don't have to know how to read them either, right? Because it's not easy to read those. But if right. you come in asking those questions, they're either, well, I don't honestly know any of them who will provide you with a study. Um, yeah. Because, because they're, it's like you said, the, the, the current model is kind of, is very broken in, you know, feet, you, you're just churning people through, you don't have time to really spend. And I think there's, there's a, a, a need for that. And I, and I will say the most important thing, and this is probably, you know, my sales trainer background, but you have to role play that conversation at home. Because if you don't role play that, you're going to walk in, your heart's going to start beating, your throat's going to constrict, and you're going to forget everything that you came in wanting to say. So if you do that repetitions over and over again, it seems silly. You know, your spouse, your partner, they might not, they might not think it's weird too. I don't know, but do it because it will help you walk in there and be prepared for what they're going to say. Yeah. Excellent tip. I've just introduced this past couple of years when I give talks around the country, a little role play session session of the two month visit, because let me tell you at two months, that's the big 
vaccine visit. So you've got the newborn visit where you're going to get hit with the choice about vitamin K and hepatitis B. And then at two months, four months, six months, they're going to recommend the CDC schedule with five or six different vaccines at each of those visits. And they're so good at it. I, I can play that role of, of the old pediatrician who, yeah, they're safe and effective. It's one in a million. You've got to do this. Uh, you'd be crazy not to. What kind of a parent would you be? You know, bully, bully, bully in a, in a subtle, I know best way, right? And if you come in even the least bit ambivalent about what you're going to do, they will, they will roll you over. And, and so role play, have somebody play that jerk pediatrician and, uh, and you practice saying, nope, this is our decision. It's not negotiable. We can certainly have discussions on the science at another time, but no, we're not doing the vaccines. And that's when one of my role play is where, well, you know, our practice has a policy where um, if you're not going to follow the CDC schedule, you're a threat and a danger to our other patients. So you're not going to be able to stay here. You've got to be prepared to walk. Yeah. And I think if you have that conversation and they're unwilling to give you those documents to have that conversation, I think that should be your answer anyway. Um, because, and it's not any easier to find. I mean, so now we're talking, you have to find a pediatrician that aligns with you and you have to find one who's taking new patients because that's always a struggle as well. Right. And sometimes like what we found where we moved, we found uh, actually two places. And the second place we found you know, they're just like, we're not even taking insurance because we just don't want to deal with that. So that it's another challenge. I like that, but it's a challenge too, because you have to pay for it. And so what is, you brought up a very good point. It is so true. Most pediatricians who have gone that route of honoring informed consent have either ended up as I have and actually lost their licenses or they've had to go no insurance. It, when you take insurance, the insurance companies have quality measures and those quality measures for pediatrics almost always include how well you vaccinate. In other words, it's not about how healthy your kids are. It's about how well you vaccinate. And if you don't vaccinate well, you can not only be dropped from insurance, which then you, you're, you lost that patient if they depend on insurance. Right. Uh, or you can end up being turned into to the medical boards. So going cash might solve a lot of problems. But that's hard. It's a it, it's a it's a whole mind thing, right? How do we do that? Yeah. Well, so a little secret is that I'm an employee benefits consultant. So okay. so my job is coming up with strategies for health insurance and for benefits and kind of knowing the ins and the outs. Uh, there are a lot of strategies that you can do if your employer offers you benefits to. Uh, to take advantage of tax savings where you may not be used. So for example, a health savings account qualified health plan uh, can provide you, it provides you with, yes, it's basically a catastrophic health insurance plan, but it provides you the ability to set aside, uh, I think it's 3650 this year. I could be wrong. And every year it changes, but $3,000, $3,600 for you. And then you doubles that for a family that you can use toward any qualified expenses, qualified expenses, medical, dental, vision, prescription. And guess what? You don't have to use your insurance first. You can just use that card to pay for that doctor. It's not perfect, but it's a way that you're not having to pay taxes on that money and still be then be able to use that. Thank you for that tip. I had, I knew that existed and I have some patients who've had it, 
but I'd forgotten the fact that that could kind of be your strategy and primary plan. Pick a you know catastrophic coverage only, so it's the least expensive plan your mm-hmm. your company offers, but maximize your health spending reimbursement. And now you can make your own decisions. You can go to the doctor that that is going to align with your philosophy. Nothing could be more important. You're talking about your precious children, you know, if you're talking pediatrics and that, what are we supposed to do as parents nurture and protect, right? Yes. The other thing that people don't realize as well is you just because a doctor doesn't take insurance doesn't mean you can't bill your insurance or send in that for reimbursement from your insurance. It's going to be considered out of network and you're going to have a separate out of network charge, but you, there's nothing that says that you can't submit that in to your doctor. So, or to, sorry, to the insurance, but there's a lot of strategies that you can utilize. That's what we did. We have the health savings account qualified plan. And so not the flexible spending account, the health savings account, which is a little different, but that's what we used. And we just could use that money for those visits. Yeah. The, since you brought up flexible spending account, can that be used in that way? Or that's, that's for a whole different purpose. No, it can be the the thing that I, I, the reason I prefer the other is that it's your, so the flexible spending account is even though you put your money in, it's the employer's money at the end of the year. If you don't spend it, the health savings account is your money. So when you put money in there, anything you have left over just rolls into the next year and you can actually build a pretty decent account. And uh, really, um, as long as you're using it on those qualified expenses, you can you can go use it for whatever flexible spending accounts more like, uh, you're going to need to prove that to us. Gotcha. That is a huge and important distinction. Thank you for making that. Nobody's Mm -hmm. ever made it that crystal clear for me. So a health spending account or health reimbursement, is that what they're called? The ones we want? Yeah. So it'd be a health savings account. Health savings account. Yeah. HSA. And the thing, the thing is, and this is where people get really tripped up on it is it has to, be with a qualified high deductible health plan. And what makes it qualified is that it truly, there's no first dollar benefits from the insurance provider. For example, if I go in and see a doctor, I pay, if I pay a copay, that insurance company is paying the rest of that bill. So that's a first, that's a first dollar benefit. Like I get that day one with my, with my insurance plan, right? right? Health savings account plan, everything is subject to the deductible until you meet that deductible. So, so, oh, so you have to pick a, a plan that does not have copays. Correct. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. We need to have a whole big discussion about this. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're giving us critical information. Yep. Then it, and, and it, but like there's, there's plans out there that'll have like a $9,000 deductible and everything is subject to that deductible, but there's just one thing in there that doesn't make it health savings account qualified. So if it's an employer sponsored plan, you'll know for sure that it's a health savings account qualified plan. If you're getting it on the marketplace, it should tell you that it is. And then you'll have to go out and find where to put your money. Most employers will offer payroll deduction to put the money into your account. And some even put money in there. Let me restate something I didn't know as well. If it's an employer plan, it will always qualify. No, it, or they'll have at least one plan that qualifies. If it's a high deductible plan that has no first dollar benefits like copays, I don't know a benefits consultant that would not have that as an HSA plan. And they might have high deductible plans, but they still have copays. 
then that's not okay. qualified. But so, as a benefits consultant, are you are you independent and private, or do you work for some system? I work for uh, an independent brokerage. Well, was independent. They took on a larger partner, but uh, just a broker firm. So we work with companies on their strategies for benefits. Okay. So I, I, as an individual can't access your, your consulting. Uh, you own a business. So yes. Okay. But if I was (laughs) on the market on my own and yeah, correct. No, I mean, we, it's such a hard thing because that whole process with the marketplace, it created a lot of problems for people. Uh, and it didn't really incentivize there, there's not very many firms who have figured out how to actually make it a revenue source Mm. just because of how it works. So I am hypothetically speaking here. I just started a business and for the time being, it's just me, but I own a business. Can I get your services? I would ask you when you're going to hire your spouse or significant other to help you. (laughs) <laughs> and once I have a, an employee, then you can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you only need two eligible. That doesn't mean you have to have two enroll. You just need to have two eligible. But if your person has coverage elsewhere, then that doesn't count against you and you could have the plan. And so, each state, each state has some nuances to them, but that's the majority. of the time. Or business partners. If there was just two of you starting mm-hmm. a business, then we could yep. consult you. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. How do we, how do we reach you? <laughs> so, um, you might my, get inundated with calls. I know that's great. So my, uh, and maybe we can put it in here too. It's, uh, an interesting spelling on everything, but my email address is B Campbell, C A M P B E L L B Campbell at Murray, M U R R A Y G R.com. It's like Murray group.com. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Let's just, if you're okay with that, we'll put that in here as a resource because you have just provided a solution for, I think, millions of people. Uh, The current medical system (laughs) is broken, okay? It, It is captured by pharma and big money and other interests, and it's not a healthcare system, it's a sick care system. And many who are waking up to what they really want for themselves and their families is wellness. And we've touched on it here. You probably have to go find a really wellness oriented provider. And most of the time they're going to be cash based. And so to finance that, you're providing the solution. Start yourself a small home based business with a partner and give you we're going to give you a call. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm. Because I started in Oregon and I moved in Washington and now we're all over, I can I pretty much can do stuff in most states, or at least we have a partner who can. Do you have thoughts on or advice for choosing the right pediatrician or provider? I sure do. Yeah. E- Again, I hate to say it, but even the pediatrician you choose, and they don't have to be somebody who's completely like a naturopath or they, you know, they don't have to be a a holistic practitioner by any means, but they have to be open to your choices. So when we moved back to Spokane, we honestly almost didn't with the reason we moved was because of family. Like we had twins. I had to travel a bit. 
but we almost didn't move because of you guys and your clinic because of just that relationship that we had because that was that important. And we had to move to a new place and find this place. And we found, thankfully we found a place that he, where he was okay with our choice where he, he wouldn't, you know, he wasn't against, but he would be, he was okay. You're not going to get bullied. And that I think is important because I have so many friends that I've talked to who go into their regular pediatrician and they're, they're basically fired by their pediatrician or they're bullied into making those decisions. And I, you know, if you don't, if you don't go in with the resolve, the absolute resolve of what you're doing, no matter what, uh, I, it's easy to get swayed. So, yeah. Um, how did you find that person? I'm uh, pretty sure it was a Facebook group that my wife was just looking and researching and trying to find somebody who we could take the girls to knowing, you know, that, and by that point, cause at, at first I was kind of thinking delayed schedule at that point, we were like, not going to happen. And so we needed a place that was okay with that. Yeah. I would say that if you can't find what you're looking for in a Facebook group or something like that, but that is actually a very good idea. Um, take it upon yourself to do the job of list every pediatric office in your community and call them and just ask the question right off the bat. We're potential new patients, but we are not sure we want to vaccinate or we, we know we don't want to vaccinate or we want to go slow with the vaccines. Is there someone in your office that will support our decisions? And the ones that kick you out will tell you right off the bat, no, this isn't the right office for you. <laughs> and it'd be, I mean, that's a, I wish somebody would take it upon themselves to, to do a massive study of many, many towns and practices and publish it. Because I think the philosophy or the acceptance of this idea of kicking people out of your practice, if they won't follow your recommendations has grown. And that's what you experienced the difference between, was it six years ago when you had your twins? And then just more recently with, with mm -hmm. your other child, that shift has really happened in a big way in the last five, five or six years. And that's what you were feeling. Yeah. I mean, even we're seeing family members who were not on board with what we were saying at all, completely shift all because we just had them ask questions of their doctors, ask questions because the more you ask and the more they can't answer or the more they won't answer is that that is your answer where and now they're there too. So we, we've seen this community grow of people who are looking for that and can't find it, which is which is difficult. So, yeah, I think it's it's of the utmost importance. And, you know, our girls don't ever go back to the doctor. Uh, we now live in Florida uh, and, you know, we have had no need for them to have to go to a pediatrician, but we'll find one if they ever do. Yeah. Well, what, what questions would you recommend people ask? Cause I think sometimes we just don't know what to ask. Of the pediatrician. Correct. Yeah. For, for me, it's always asking instead of, so I might not approach it in a way of like, um, Hey, we're, we're thinking of not doing this. And so what do you, what do you, how do you handle that? I would approach it by saying, uh, 
what is your office's philosophy on and then state it. So what is your office's philosophy on uh, people who are choosing to delay vaccines or choosing maybe a, a not the traditional route? What is your philosophy on that? And then see what they say. And then you're going to get a instead of having to go through that. Well, this just isn't for you. You'll get a gauge based on the response, what it is that they have. And then the other questions are, OK, well, if we do this, will you be OK with that? And will we be able to be here? Because then 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 it's on them. They have to answer the question instead of us getting down the road and you're sitting in an office alone. And oftentimes, and this is terrible, but oftentimes it's mom alone in the room and dad's not there at the same time. Uh, and not to say that women can't stand up for themselves because they certainly can. But uh, my wife felt pushed in a corner a couple of times. Yeah. Another great tip. Uh, spouses, go with your partner. And be there for those well visits. That's when they're really pushing hard on the vaccines. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if it is your desire to have a different approach than the CDC schedule. Yeah. And, you know, what ended up happening with our twins is we brought them in for their month or maybe it was three months. And the, the littler of the two, it's funny, a pound and the, how much that difference is on the size of them. But uh, their preemie clothes fit their dolls now, which is just mind blowing. But she was tiny and she started um, probably about three months where her head would just like would shake. And she, she recorded that she went, I wasn't at that appointment, but she went in and she saw one of the nurse practitioners and the nurse practitioner was like, yeah, I think we better get Dr. Paul and have him come in and look. And the first question that you asked was, did you vaccinate these children? Because she's showing neurological signs. I mean, she's involuntary head shakes. And, you know, you, your discussion with us was now to educate us on, because it's three months, so we're due for some, for some shots. And I, at that time, I don't know what I would have done. But you said, because she's showing an underdeveloped neurological system, she's really tiny. My recommendation is is to at least delay right now. And that the freedom that we felt in that moment to say, okay, you know, because we knew that, that something was going on it. And while she's, she does have some sensory uh, processing, I, I, I mean, if we would have done that that day, I don't know, honestly, what would have happened. Yeah. I'm really glad we were able to have that conversation and you made the choice you made. Uh, but you're right. We don't know. However, what I have seen in my practice over 30 plus years as a pediatrician and what's sadly still happening in many or most pediatric practices today is that those sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle neurological signs or delays in development get written off as, oh, it's normal or that's typical or it's common. And the push is to vaccinate according to the CDC schedule regardless because of this crazy belief that they're safe and effective, right? That, that marketing slogan that gets repeated by doctors as if that were the truth. Right. And what we saw in our practice over the last 13 plus years um, of 
being careful and and I'll, I'll call it the vaccine friendly plan just for for lack of another name but the whole premise was if you see any glitches in development or any neurological things that are not perfectly normal you pause at least i mean you, you stop vaccinating for the time being until you're sure that everything's okay because there's ample evidence in the literature that vaccines or the ingredients of vaccines or the immune activation that happens from vaccines given too early, too many, too soon, uh, can cause these problems. And um, so, yes, thank goodness. How, how is she doing now? We did uh, occupational therapy uh, for a long time. And it made tremendous strides and in helping her with, you know, being able to process through when things are too loud. We, we just didn't understand why, why is she screaming all the time? Or um, one kind of strange example is it was Christmas. They were two and a half, probably maybe, maybe they were three. We brought a real Christmas tree in for the very first time. And she just like, she had been doing so good. I mean, no crazy meltdowns. And there's a big difference between a sensory meltdown and a meltdown because they want something in a sensory meltdown. There's just, there is absolutely, you could give them what it is that they say that they want and they, it does not do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it just became the worst we'd ever seen it. And we started doing research again and realized that the amount of mold that can come in on trees that are real can have a huge impact, especially on a kid who has sensory issues. That means that they perceive things that sometimes we don't. Noises that are normal to me probably sound like they're just screaming to her. Well, the same thing, right? If there's a mold exposure, there's something. So she, we just, we threw it out. So it's little things like that, that we've learned along the way to say, okay, this is what this means. Here's what she needs because of that. And she's, I mean, she's fantastic. Uh, she's she's probably not going to be uh you know the all-star uh basketball player but she is hilarious and you know really now she knows she can just go get to a quiet place and we don't have any problems so still sensitive to noise it sounds like yeah mostly when it's a lot of competing noises Mm -hmm. a loud place like if she's at a trampoline park or she's somewhere she's she does okay as long as she can get some quiet after that but if like everybody screaming in a room <laughs> it can get and that's overwhelming for any of us but yeah yeah i have to pivot from that and just remind our viewers if you're a parent and you have a child who has i like to call it a glitch okay i mean medicine likes to label kids and and that's whatever it's what they have to do to be paid by insurance companies but you notice something in your child that's off that's different that maybe has you a bit concerned or, I mean, parents are even thinking maybe my child's on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, right? Um, If there's a glitch and you've been vaccinating, pay attention to that because that's exactly what you did. And undoubtedly, and I say this because I saw it, I saw and heard these stories hundreds of times patients would finally leave another pediatrician in town and come to our office because their child started with a glitch, something like what your daughter had. And the pediatrician said, Oh, it has nothing to do with the vaccines. And they would keep vaccinating. It would get worse and worse. And many of these kids would get tipped over into full blown severe autism. 
And at that point they leave. It's like, we can't, we can't do this anymore. And so you're paying attention to that. And if you're watching this and you're a parent, don't ignore, you trust your parental, that instinct that you have, that intuitiveness, that something's not right here. And don't trust your pediatrician if they're ignoring it. Right. I mean, I'm sorry to say that you would like to trust your doctors and in, in a time when doctors seem to have no conflicts of interest and truly had your best interest at heart, you could partner with them and, and you could trust them. That should be a red flag right there. If you can't trust your doctor, it's time to find a new provider. Absolutely. I, I think also asking them the questions of how they come to the conclusions that they have are really important because it can say a lot uh, about where they heard that, learned that, thought that, said that. 